Speak Better Best Books with authors, readers, and other endangered species. I'm your guide, Katerina Valentin. Come and join us. Welcome to this episode of Big Better Best Books. And my guest today is Diva Diaz. She is many things, but in this particular podcast, I've invited her as a children book author. It's your first book. Is that correct? Yeah. And would you like to tell them what your book is named? Yes. The book is called Magia and the Feelings That Flew Away. In this book, um, I read it just the other day. Diva sent it to me and I was going to read it before the interview. And I started to read it and I'm like, I know this is going to sound a little funny, but it was rhyming. And there was this, um, it's kind of like a, we don't see that a lot today in children's books, not as common today that mm. we rhyme, but it has this melody. So it's kind of like you go on this journey, but it, it really takes you along continuously. So my, strangely, my very first question is actually, what made you go for this kind of more traditional form of a rhyming children's book? That is a great question. <laughs> <laughs> um I guess it's, honestly, it's just how it came out. Um, I didn't really plan it too much. I, I was kind of thinking of the, you know, the kids' books that I loved, like, you know, all the Doctor's Use stuff, um, you know, Green Eggs and Ham, all of that. And it just started to come out as a rhyme, and it seemed so much easier to put kind of a bit of a um, wild concept into a rhyme that would be, more fun and easy mm. for the children to remember and maybe for an adult to deliver as well. <laughs> it's funny. It's kind of like the ideas are wild, but the format has more of a, like a format to put it into. So if, if you would talk about the book, so the wild ideas of the book, so what does it talk about? What yeah. is it about? So Maggie is a little girl who lives in this kind of magical land and she has lots of friends around her. Uh, her best friend is Abigail, a snail, that is actually incredibly fast, but to everyone else, Abigail seems incredibly slow. So a lot of things seem to be, you know, the opposite of what they appear to be. And um, it's really about Magia's journey to school one morning <laughs> and how going to school, she'll encounter different things and have the same feelings as that thing. So like she walks past this gloomy house that looks haunted and she suddenly starts to feel sad and bad right down to the core, I think is what the mm. line says. Yeah. And then as she walks away, she realizes that that's not her. It was just the feeling she was having while she was by the house or the next thing that she comes across. So by the end of the book, um, she starts to realize that a lot of what are supposed sensitivities in her or things that she's feeling actually aren't hers. It's just her acute awareness of the world around her. So if, if you, if you take this, so about yourself, are, is this something you experienced when you were a kid? Like, is this something, cause I know that you work with something called X-Men. Yes. And uh, <laughs> which really is about how aware we truly are and that we're, you know, taught it's not real or are hiding from the world. And is this, is this um, a part of that in this book that you're presenting? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the book truly was inspired through the work that I do with Access X-Men and the tools of Access Consciousness and this whole concept that 
what we think is so wrong about us is actually our greatest strength and power and ability. And I mean, I've worked with hundreds, I don't know, maybe even thousands, you know, of kids around the world in the last decade. And they have taught me so much. And one of the, the hugest things that we've been able to explore is the fact that every time that they're told they're sensitive, they're actually not sensitive. They're just very aware. Um, and when they start to realize that, yeah, it just creates something very different from that for them. What's the difference for you being sensitive or being aware? I think sensitive is something that you have to own as if it's yours and your, your problem or your thing to deal with. You're just sensitive. You're just sensitive. Yeah. So it's like stop being so emotional, stop crying, and then you have to find a way to stop that from bubbling up inside of you, that emotion or that feeling or even that thought. Mm. Um, but when you're aware, then you can be aware of the rain, you can be aware of the dog barking next to you, and you don't instantly take that on as yours. And I think there's so much, you know, that we are also aware of that we take on as though there are things when they're actually not. They're just our awareness of a lot of different things going on. So I would also say that one thing that if I look back to my childhood, I was really aware, I was very aware of what goes for my parents that wasn't yeah. talked about or the things that that you know goes on around me that was never said out loud yeah. which meant that after a while I started to shut that down I yeah. started to shut those awarenesses out so how can children use this awareness that they are aware it's yeah. <laughs> like the awareness that they are aware how can they use that to actually be more aware now we use that word three times but does that make sense like yeah. how could you talk a little bit about how that would actually increase their capacities yeah absolutely well it's kind of I mean I remember as a child for example I studied classical ballet from three onwards and I had to do a lot of performing and when you're on stage you can get stage fright quite easily you yeah. know but the moment that you suddenly realize that that's not necessarily real and it might just be that you're expecting to have stage fright or maybe the people around you are scared for you in case you have stage fright. Maybe the teachers are, are warning you about stage fright before you even know stage fright is a thing. Mm. And so there are all these external factors that make you think, oh, I should probably have stage fright now when maybe you actually don't. So all of like to me, a lot of this work is like getting getting back to kind of like sounds cheesy, but kind of like the core of who we are before we learned that we should be scared or doubtful or untrusting or all of these different things and actually recognize that these are all things that we learn. And yeah, they are going on around us. It doesn't mean that it's not valid if somebody does have stage fright, but it doesn't mean that you need to have the stage fright too. You might just be highly aware of their feeling in that situation. it's a brilliant example. Like, and, and I actually, I've never heard that before because that we do that in so many areas. We yeah. would do that with riding a horse yeah. or, you know, to all of that. But so it's a children's book. So we're giving this then to children. Are they, are they ready to learn this or what, what's your sense of this? <laughs> like, <laughs> Well, I mean, it's very funny that you ask that. I'd say the children are the ones that are most ready to know it instantly. I mean, Honestly, and apologies to all the adults that will listen to this, kids are so much faster than adults because as an adult, you have to try and 
work it out and figure it out. And then you want to kind of sit on it for a while. And then you want to just process and you want to know why that sensitivity wasn't yours or, or why you made the mistake of choosing it for the last 30 years. And so that that process takes a bit of time, but you say that to a child and you go, Hey, you ask them a question like, is that even yours? Are you really scared here? Or, or, you know, whatever the thing may be that's up for them. And if it's not, they just acknowledge it and then they move on and they're on to the next thing as a kid does. So to me, it's less about making it into a big significant thing, but more just about presenting the possibility of like, Hey, you know, there's times when you might feel this or that maybe you're just like Magia. Maybe you just have this superpower. So children's book is a, perfect avenue for that obviously so are you looking at a series of books or just this first book or tell us more (laughs) i think i think my deal would definitely be a series of books um the title initially was The Adventures of Bajia, but then there were so many adventures that it was hard to cram it all into one book. It became an incredibly long rhyme. So I had to start <laughs> I had to start to break it down. <laughs> um so yeah, this is the first uh, of several that will come out. So I think a, a series of book about Magia's adventures yeah. it would be amazing. And now, if we go to the work that you do do with children all over the world, yeah. how do you how do you start talking to them? Like when you come in, is it in a workshop form then? Or mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Usually it's in a workshop format, or if not, you know, one on one, you know, with a parent or mm-hmm. a relative there. And through the work that I do like we really don't have the point of view that there's anything wrong with any child we're always looking at what the capacity is behind whatever behavior they're having and so I'll just ask them questions and it's all about asking them questions about what's going on for them not trying to put them in a box or give them another label or try and fix something that's wrong with them because I think you know we've all had this whether we've had Mm. this in our adult life or you know, when we were younger, where people see you and they want to categorize you. And for me, this work, XSX Men, is one of the places where you can actually go and your child doesn't need to be labeled. And you can have a conversation and ask them what's true for them to start to get an awareness of what's going on for them rather than just us analyzing from our end to really learning, yeah, learning about them. So what was it like for you when you were a kid? You grew up in uh, London. Uh, London, but you're also from Colombia originally, mm-hmm. so you have a, a mixed background. Yeah. And I, I know that you have you are kind of an X-Men yourself. Yeah. <laughs> more grown up, a little bit more grown up, but yeah. still. So what was it like for you when you grew up? And, and what, like, how would it how would it have been different if you had these kind of tools? Oh, goodness. I think everything would have been so different. Um, I was always very, very aware of what everyone was feeling around me mm. and what everyone was thinking. But I didn't know that that's what it was. So I thought that I was this kind of highly stressed, highly anxious, uh, slightly angry <laughs> child. Um, And it was something that I couldn't shake. So whatever I tried to do to change it, or rationalize it, or find my way out of it, or, you know, just kind of get on with it, it was always there lurking in the background. And so it was something that I just decided that I was this person who maybe, you know, just wanted to be 
perhaps more isolated or was kind of paranoid about what everybody thought about me. And as I grew up and as I discovered these amazing tools, what I realized was actually that was my perception of other people. Like I would have been, you know, highly sensitive had somebody told me that, only they never yeah. did, luckily. You know? <laughs> yeah. But that would have been the the box you were put in yeah. if afterwards, which wouldn't really have helped then if no. you look at it from this point of view. One, one of the most, I don't know, well-known, I guess I would call her an ex, ex-person, mm-hmm. <laughs> is Greta Thunberg right now. Yeah. And since she's from Sweden, I've known about her for many, for a long time because, wow. it, you know, she, she, we knew about her when she started to just end outside our parliament. And I listened to an interview with her the other day where she was talking about her combine of autism Asperger's Mm -hmm. and she called it a superpower. Yeah. And one of the reasons for that was, well, she mentioned two reasons. One of the reasons was that she, she doesn't really understand social codes, but she Mm -hmm. also doesn't care what anybody thinks about her because she doesn't really, she doesn't really get why that's even important. Why would you care (laughs) about that? And then the second one is she has a capacity of be being single-minded. Like she can really choose to go here and with that capacity. And I, and for me, what I can see in the world today is that it is truly required with very different people. And she may have been called sensitive if you would have looked at it that yeah. way. But I would definitely say that in her case, it's, it's an X-Men capacity, mm. it's a superpower capacity. So if you if you went back to this, um, the Magia books and the work you're doing, how do you how do you view like the world that is being created now and in the X-Men, I'm not even sure how to ask this, but like, what are you seeing? What are you perceiving and being aware of? I love this question. I'm seeing a huge door opening that wasn't there before. I think right now, you know, we can all safely say that politically the whole world is in a bit of mayhem. And what that's done from my perspective is it's given the voice now to the next generation to actually step up and recognize that their choices are actually going to create something like they're not just having to wait to be told what to do and or what to think or what to believe and so that to me is incredibly empowering and that's what this is all about truly I mean I love how you know Greta talks about the world requiring a lot of different minds right now because yeah. we need a different perspective to create something different and that's entirely correct and for these kids who are labeled either sensitive or you know with uh ocd adhd mm-hmm. uh, autism spectrum disorder whatever you know their labels are they do see things in a very different way so when they're not focusing on what's supposedly wrong with them and you start asking them questions about how they're seeing things and their perspective you've suddenly shifted gears and you're now opening those doors to a whole new world really a whole group of people that we haven't really tapped into before i mean not in the same way, yeah. you know, now they have a different voice. Um, but I mean, even if you look at anything great that's ever been invented, like all the great creators from Einstein to even Richard Branson, business-wise, they all see things in a very different way that if they hadn't had the courage to choose that, the world would be a very different place. And to me, it's about really empowering these kids to know that, hey, okay, so you may have these awarenesses, these sensitivities, whatever you want to call them, 
And if that wasn't a problem, and if you actually had a billion capacities behind that, what if we start looking at that instead and see what doors that could open? That's a beautiful answer, and it made me all happy. <laughs> so, so if if somebody is listening to this now and they have um, a child, or you know, or somebody that know that are very aware of their surroundings and and may have something that have been defined as autism or Asperger's or OCD or anything like that, what would your well advice, I guess, or or advice to them be you know they could obviously if they're small kids they could read much yeah it's yeah. a beautiful book for like i would say what would you say the age group is it, it actually really works for adults too yeah. i'm just you know saying it yeah. may look like a children's book but it's yeah. it's very useful for any age yeah. yes <laughs> and what what other thing like what would you tell them if they had a kid like you for example wow so many things <laughs> <laughs> um i would just say you know, I think a lot of the parents that um, I've met along the way somehow think that there's something wrong with them or the way that they've been parenting mm. if their child has been labeled in any way. And, you know, they come with so many kind of like feelings of shame and guilt and not knowing how to handle it. When actually my perspective is, you know, you've got this child like, what a gift, you know, and what gift are you to the child as well? So number one, just recognizing you're not wrong. Like if someone that you know has been labeled whether they're close to you or not, it doesn't make anybody wrong. And of course, not that person that's been labeled either, you know, but also really looking at one of the greatest tools I would say is just to start asking questions about everything. Don't believe anything, you know, don't even believe anything that I say or anything else, you know, but really like question everything, question whether something works for your child, ask your kid questions, ask them like, is this working for you? Like, what is this going to create? And it seems so simple. And it also seems like, hold on, does this mean I say to my child, okay, would you like to cross the road now that a big truck is coming? I don't mean that. It's more like ask them, ask them questions that empower them so that they know that they have some kind of choice and awareness in their life. And I mean, I had one of the greatest gifts that I've ever had is that my mother always asked my brother and I questions hmm. for everything. So since she was, since we were tiny, she would really talk to us like we were grown-ups in a way. You know, she wouldn't say like, go and pay the bills, but she would ask us questions like, Hey, we're thinking of moving house. Would that work for you guys? It would be kind of like this, or we're thinking of painting this room. What color we were thinking this, what do you guys mm. get? Do you have any suggestions? And so to us, it was very normal growing up knowing that number one, we had awareness and it was valuable. And number two, that our choices did actually create something. They created something not just for us, but for the people around us. And so that's what I mean by asking questions. You know, that's one of the most powerful tools that you can use. Just really involve your kids in this uh, and yourself by asking questions so you can start to navigate what's true and not just, you know, all of the diagnoses and labels that you're given. <laughs> not that they're wrong either, but, you know. It's amazing this thing with questions, really, because mm. it's not it's not questions that you've already decided an answer to. That's, that's why right. the examples you gave yeah. about your mother are so good, because she was actually interested in what color you wanted the room or if this would work for you when yeah. you moved. It's not the kind of questions is, would you like to put your shoes on now since you're going to school? Because that's not a question. That's like a, a demand. Yeah. So there is this difference between really asking a question that does empower amazingly. And, and in 
in the book, she is continuously in the question. Yeah. Like during her walk to school, she yeah. is continuously in the question of what's what's going on. Even though she doesn't have questions posed to her, she is being the question. And yeah. that I get is what we learn when we're being asked questions. So yeah. that's a great example. And you were actually in the question too. Um, you said that you wrote this book a few years ago, and at the time you didn't want to publish it, yeah. and now you did. So what changed? <laughs> yeah. Gosh, I think I wrote this book almost five years ago. Um, what changed was I just stopped trying to get it right. Mm. And I, I had a few friends. I made the mistake, or not mistake, of showing a few friends and they said, you have to get it out. So one year later, I listened to them. <laughs> but yeah, I think the whole thing of just not having to get it right and just being willing to have, yeah, have this different possibility out in the world. It's kind of like not getting it perfect. Not getting it yeah. perfect. So I had a, we had another guest on here a few epi episodes ago, and he was talking about, he, it was about getting your book out of the drawer. Mm. <laughs> and he had a, um, like a criminal novel that he finished and then finally got out of the drawer. And it gave him a lot of, um, a lot of joy to actually get it out in the world. And it, it created a huge difference for him and in his life, strangely, you know, just this fact of getting a book out in the world creates something. So could you talk a little bit about how, what is that for you? Like, what is it like for you to have a book out in the world, to be an author, to finally get the book out? What has it created in you? Um, funnily enough, not at all what I thought it would. It actually just has created a lot of, um, I would say, peace in mm -hmm. my world, which is, I know it sounds like that makes absolutely no sense, but I, I didn't have that thing of, oh, now there's a book, it's out. Magia kind of launched itself actually a few weeks earlier than I thought it would. I just saw people start posting about it online and I was like, oh, okay, so I guess, I guess this is out. But it was amazing to see that it had a life of its own and... So maybe the piece comes from you finally letting it out. Yeah. There you had like been shutting it in for five years yeah. and Maggie is finally out. She's like, oh my God. Enough already. Enough already. <laughs> she let me out and now she's going for adventures. Exactly. So, do you have any idea what the next one will be about? I do have some rough ideas. Mm -hmm. Would you like me to tell you? Yes, I would. <laughs> well, one of the the things that I personally struggled with a lot when I was growing up was overthinking mm -hmm. and when I was growing up I mean up until like two months ago <laughs> so <laughs> yes. and um a lot of that comes from a very similar thing you know but also this what we just spoke about perfection wanting to get things perfect thinking up all of the possible scenarios of where you know, your parents might think this if you behave this way or your school teacher would say this or your friends would think this or what would the five conversations following be or, you know, all of this overthinking that we do. So I have been an overachiever in overthinking my whole life. And so the next book is going to be a little bit about how to handle that and how that also might just be your awareness of a whole lot of stuff that isn't really true for you. 
Well, even like a whole lot of different futures that could occur, but haven't really occurred yet. So why would you think about them? But I do recognize myself. This is definitely a book that I would need to get (laughs) since I'm obviously not finished growing up yet either. (laughs) I'm still working on growing up. So if, if somebody would like to find this book, how do they go about that? Where can they find it? Yes. So you can find out more at theadventuresofmagia.com. And there are some um, little hidden behind the scenes interviews with some of Magia's friends in the book. So you can click around the website and discover those. That's awesome. (laughs) Yes. Maybe even the snail. Maybe. Who knows? You have to go and visit the site to find this out. (laughs) And if they would like to find out more about you and and your work with Access X-Men. Yes. um, How do they find that? DivaDiaz.com has everything. Uh, there's also accessconsciousness.com forward slash X-Men, all one word. Very easy. Perfect. Very easy. And um, I think we will say goodbye to Magia and to you there. Thank you so much for coming on and for expressing this so beautifully. And I am looking forward to the overthinking book. So I think you better get <laughs> you better get writing. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Kat.